We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Alright, welcome back to another episode of BuzzBeat. This is Richie. I'll be joined by Brian today. We've actually got our final installment of our Film Rewind series before we turn the page over to the the new season. Uh, Looking back on a game from Mark Williams. We've done this before, so if you haven't really seen or heard these episodes that we've done, we've done one on Terry Rozier against the Bucks. We've done one on P.J. Washington and his career high against the Thunder. And then we also had one where LaMelo Ball had a near triple-double against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And uh, most of these games, I think outside the Terry Rozier game, and even the one today, is going to be a game that goes down to the wire. So it should be pretty cool. Brian. How's it going? I'm doing well, Richie. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I'm, uh, I mean, it's raining here in Charlotte, but I'm enjoying the fall weather. I, that's always my favorite season. It's football season. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I just like it a whole lot more, and especially with, with how hot our summer was here. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Anything feels like fall yeah, right now. So. Yeah. Obviously, the last like two and a half months in the Carolinas have been pretty unbearable. Uh, from a heat and humidity standpoint. Um, and so the, really, Friday was like the first day that felt like fall here, which was nice. And yeah, it's been like enjoying um, a little EPL and uh, I guess after the international break, but enjoyed some EPL this weekend. And uh, yeah, kind of like a, I don't know, I've been enjoying, you know, checking in on some college football here and there too. Um, and uh, I don't think the Panthers are going to provide a ton of... Uh, success this season but they at least seem to be like i I don't know i think with bryce young they're like they got they got like the starter piece here um yeah we'll see where things we'll we'll see where things go from there but yeah got outside a lot the last couple of days um and hopefully between when we finish this today and when the rain leaves charlotte and comes up to raleigh uh, (laughs) i'll have some time to get outside for a little bit this afternoon yeah, exactly. And you're, and you're right about the Panthers. At least you got Bryce Young to at least get tuned in for. But yeah, uh, yeah. we talked about this last week through text. Like, we're just ready to get ourselves hurt again just watching this team. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> that was going to be another, like, 500 season. Well, I guess you can't have a 500 season with a 17-game yeah, uh, schedule. But it's, it. it's going to be about that. Yeah, yes, exactly. Unless they could, like, yeah, I guess they can't do it. Yeah, those texts were going out just before kickoff last week. And then <laughs> what I saw last week did not... Uh, Changed my opinion of of where the season's headed, but I mean, it seems like they got the guy at quarterback, so that's uh, that's yeah. something. That's that's a pretty important position. So we are going to go ahead and get started with this Mark Williams against the Miami Heat. This happened back on February twenty fifth, and uh, it was a very good game of his. He had uh, eighteen points, twenty rebounds. And I think seven offensive rebounds. Now, obviously, these clips are going to be a little bit of a mixture of defense and offense, but we're not going to sit here and, you know, watch his 20 rebounds, which is, you know, maybe part of some of the clips with the defensive stops or the offensive putbacks. But we will go ahead and play clip number one here. And as always, you'll watch it one time through and we can break it down afterwards. So. What we've got here is our first defensive clip of the game, and it's very early, 2-2, 10-14, 
left in the first quarter. You've got a high pick and roll here with Tyler Hero handling the ball. Bam is setting the screen. It's spaced, so Mark has you know, got a big responsibility here to cover a lot of ground. And Bam sets, it's almost like a flat ball screen. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really get a ton of contact. But when you think about Mark Williams, you, you, you know, 90% of the time, he's a traditional drop big. And in this situation, he is doing just that. Trying to buy time for Terry Rozier to come back into the picture. And as you let it play out, Hero does get all the way to the rim, uh, misses it. But I think that Mark's presence bothers him just enough to force this miss and get the defensive rebound here. And the one thing that I do like about this play because he has a lot of space to kind of cover and you know, you've got bam obviously rolling to and getting into his space. He does a good job of not necessarily committing to Tyler hero, but also showing him, Hey, I'm here, but I'm also going to take away this angle of the pass that you could make to bam. So he doesn't like, he doesn't prevent him from getting to the rim by any means, but also he's trying to make sure that he's not out of the picture with bam out of bio. But as he gets closer, I mean, really, you know, the length versus hero here is always going to be uh, in favor of Mark Williams. So uh, he kind of stays in striking distance of both players and affects the shot here, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, uh, you said it with Williams. He certainly this year showed some versatility with different schemes guarding pick and roll, but, you know, some switch play up to the level a little bit more hard hedge blitz at times. But for the most part, you know, he's in the drop or if they're icing sideball screens, you know, he's he's in kind of a de facto drop, too. Um, and you touched on it, like him being able to be kind of in two places at one time by, you know, taking good initial position, using his length and then bothering a shot at the rim. Um, Tyler Hero is like a good pick and roll creator, right? Like he's a good pick and roll scorer by the numbers. Um, I think this play does highlight some of his limitations, like not an elite finisher at the rim. Um, maybe Kevin Love is like, I know there's a lot of traffic there, but like Kevin Love is is open, but like there's no way, you know, he's getting this this pass there. JT Thor drops down, he tags Bam on the roll. Um in in Rosier's in the paint. Lamelo's kind of crashing in from the the low corner too. On this drop, I feel you, you kind of also see the like. I mean, it's obviously it's it's not like a switch, but it almost becomes like a little one of those little like veer switches where like Rozier kind of like ends up peeling off and yeah. and, and kind of like going back to I mean going back to Bam Thor's there too, um, but just nice overall from from Williams and I think one of the impressive parts at the end uh, with him maybe influencing or altering or whatever however you want to define it the the hero miss at the rim is that one of the things that Williams who had a very nice rookie season, like on both ends of the floor. Um, but one of the things that like when he occasionally got himself in a little bit of trouble, it would be just like when he would leave his feet, you know, like he'd, he'd be a little too eager to come over and block a shot or you could hit him with a pump fake. Um, and instead here, like, you know, he's obviously, he has like a significant size and reach advantage over, over hero, so it's you know he, he can be comfortable staying on the floor and still contesting or whatever, but um, I don't know. It's just it's overall like the fundamentals of this are very nice from Williams, and then with his size and length, that's really where you get like kind of the special like you know to occupy multiple spots at the same time. Sort of like I mean Bam does that a lot for for Miami, depending on what scheme they're in. But obviously you know he's not uh, the, the same size as as. Uh, um, as Williams. So pretty basic. I mean, you're, you're going to see Williams guard a million of these kinds of screens this season and, you know, every season from here on out. But like, this is the stuff, you know, like I, I think um, this is the, the kind of activity you want to see from him. And look, maybe, I don't, I don't know, could play the clip out one more time, actually, if you don't mind. And let's see where, you know, I mean, I guess you could like he's uh, this is one of those things where he can just sort of like trust his length and just let right. him, you know, come into the picture here. Uh, you know, he doesn't need to like totally like cut off the rim because he can let Hero get to the restricted area and then contest. Maybe you can't do that with everyone driving. Um, and as regulators mentioning here in the comments, does this coverage change if Bam could hit a three? Yeah, I think it would. It, w- it doesn't mean that like the Hornets would necessarily play wouldn't play drop coverage here, but 
instead of Bam rolling and JT Thor being able to come in and, and help inside the lane to tag, you know, if Bam pops here and is open, he's going to be open on a three. Well, Thor's going to have to Thor then is the guy that gets like put on the spot, right? Right. He, it's like, is he is he switching all the way out, or more likely, he's probably just going to stunt and take like a hard step or two in, in the direction of Bam, and then hopefully try to buy Williams a second, you know, to 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 get back out there and contest. But like, yeah, that's the you know, think about the two man game with Jamal Murray and uh, Jokic in Denver. Like, they stress defenses so much because Jokic can. I mean, he can roll, he can short roll, but he can also pop. And then with his shooting and his passing, it stresses all of those weak side coverages and rotations. So yeah, it would make a huge difference. Um, Bam's obviously like a great roller, but if he could pop um, and really sort of like challenge your coverages a little bit, that would obviously that would that would make this you know more difficult to cover. And Charlotte would have to consider a switch. You know, they'd have to and again Thor or if they weren't switching, you know Williams would have to cover more ground to get back out into the pop. Yeah, think about what JT Thor's responsibility is on the weak side. Like most likely, again, he'll have to stunt and just sort of like take a couple of steps out. Or if Bam's just you know catching and lifting, then Thor's got to get up there and try to like contest it a little bit too. So Thor would be the guy that would really be put on the spot if Bam could shoot and the Hornets were in the same coverage here. Yeah, especially because Tara Rozier is having to recover, so it's not like Mark Williams can just switch right back out to bam out here if he's going to pop into the space and i'm not sure if like hero's complaining that he missed it or he's like upset that he got fouled but i don't really see much of a foul there so it could just be frustration there but you know pretty straight up and down there from mark williams maybe he gets him with the lower body a little maybe bit but they're not, not going to call yeah, that yeah did you see that behind the back pass there from mark williams to lamello look at that well, let me see here at the end look at williams look, look how Look how smooth this is. Oh, look at that. Huh? There, there you go. Yeah, he's uh, he's the next great passing uh, five in the NBA. It also, this is one of those plays watching it too. I mean, I, I watched a lot of um, of the FIBA World Cup this summer too. Like, it's one of those, it does make it seem like at some point, maybe Team USA should consider Mark Williams because that when the ball takes the second like bounce on the rim there, like Williams could easily just go up and yeah. like bat that off, um, you know, on under FIBA rules. Um, and I guess like Walker Kessler was sort of like playing that role for Team USA this summer, anyways. Albeit sort of like a deeper bench role, but um, just the other sort of like loose thought that popped into my mind. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we've got a, another defensive clip here. Charlotte's up 10 to 4 about midway through the first quarter and you've got Butler who's isoing JT Thor on the right block here. And you know, outside of Bam, like everyone's kind of spaced out. Bam's slowly getting out of the paint there. Mm-hmm. And Mark is actually guarding Love who is in the left corner and Mark does a good job of like getting his feet <laughs> out of the paint so that the defensive 3 seconds resets right there and 
his timing on this help, I mean, it probably is just coincidental, is very, very good because once when Jimmy turns his back, and, and you know, he doesn't know necessarily that Mark Williams is coming. So he spins baseline and Mark is able to get the block here. And I think what's crazy about this, and obviously I think you probably noticed this too, is he gets this block on the way down. Like mm -hmm. he is not timing it perfectly on the actual block, but he does time it perfectly on the way that he comes over and helps just the length. And I think that Jimmy turns and realizes, okay, I've got two lengthy defenders on me. Even if I do spend baseline and get around Thor, oh, now there's Mark Williams with the block there and another rebound and gets the Hornets out in transition. So you talked about on the previous play, Brian, where he just uses his length to his advantage. He doesn't have to leave his feet against Tyler Hero, and he shouldn't. Like, he doesn't need to. Uh, as a help side rim protector, obviously, you're going to see that way more often. And the fact that he's able to jump, make sure that Jimmy fades a little bit and still gets the block, very impressive play here. And I believe this is the last defensive clip we have of the, uh, the eight. But uh, nothing more to it than just his length taken over and able to do it on the way down. Yeah, I mean, again, special size, special reach from Mark Williams, and he's got uh, terrific instincts and and sort of like want to to, to be a backline rim protector and helper. This is this is the thing he does best is is be like a help side shot blocker like that. That's what he does here. And look, Jimmy's a terrific um, isolation post up player. Um, part of that is his ability to, to draw fouls. So like I actually give Williams and JT Thor. He like Thor gets pushed back a little bit. I mean, like Butler's able to get this, you know, fairly, but he even when he's like making his movies, it's not like he's like quite in the restricted area. Right. And I just think JT Thor does a pretty nice job on this play, like staying solid, using his length. Like Butler's not the Butler doesn't like stuff him underneath the basket and, and then lay it up, you know, and that that um allows Williams to come over and uh, not just make a contest, but but block the shot. So I, I think Thor, I would give him like a plus one for this possession or whatever too. But yeah, this is also like you know, it's funny to it was funny going back through this game, which took place I think February twenty fifth, like late February, and just thinking about the last couple of times, like the last few months that we saw Miami, just a totally different Heat team, you know, in the playoffs with the three point shooting and. You know, they, this possession's a little bit stuck in the mud here with a you know post up for for Jimmy at like 14 seconds. But yeah, really nice play, um, help side by Williams. And again, he can do special stuff like that um, because of the because of his reach, his timing, and um, yeah, I, I just think his sort of like feel for blocking shots is is quite good. Agreed. And so this game, as I was going through the clips, I think a lot of them happened towards like the end of the game. So we're going to jump to the second quarter, but some of the later clips come down the stretch for Mark Williams. And so this is where we're going to start to do our offensive side. Charlotte at this point is up 48-39 here in the second quarter. You've got some horns action where it actually looks like LaMelo is going to use Hayward's screen over here on the left. So he kind of... Goes left a little bit, uh, but then switches it over to the right side. And I think this helps the fact that, you know, Gabe Vincent is already behind the action. Mm -hmm. And so Gabe thinks that this screen's going to come right up here with Hayward. But then as he does the crossover, uh, you've got this other screener up here, Mark Williams. And Mark Williams was obviously uh, benefited a lot from LaMelo. And I think mm -hmm. these two are a, a good pair for, for seasons to come. But I will say this, like obviously LaMelo makes Mark better, like nine times out of 10. It's it's typically a LaMelo setting up, you know, Mark Williams and there's nothing really that the defense could do. But I think the fact that Mark slips the screen quickly, knowing that Zeller's got to help out and the way that Zeller realizes that Vincent's behind the action, like he doesn't set the screen, really. He doesn't really make contact with Vincent. He just gets downhill as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And you know that Melo's going to turn this corner and try to get as far as he can. And then just obviously this is just lobs it up for Mark Williams and allow him to use his his length. But, you know, there, there was a great connection between these two. They didn't play a ton of minutes mm -hmm. together. I know that LaMelo was Mark's leading assist man at the rim with 21 assists at the rim. I believe they played close to 300, 
350 minutes together. So, but nothing like too crazy about this clip, the horns clip, but I do like how Mark slips it quickly to make sure that he can get to the rim without really anyone coming over to help. Yeah. Back to the start of this. If you pause it at the top here, like when, yeah, no, you're good. We'll wait till it gets, it will wait till it gets back up, but just freeze it right at the top when they're like in the horns. Look like Hayward setting up to the left of LaMelo here. I feel like normally when the Hornets have this kind of look, uh, with Hayward being like one of the screen setters, like they're going to get him involved in the action, and they do this with right. PJ too. But but often, like he'll, if he sets this first screen, um, and let's say like Lamelo uses it and he like strings it out a little bit to his left, like he uses Hayward's screen, um, he would probably take a dribble or two to his left, and then Hayward would likely come off like a flare from from Mark Williams, and that's like a that's a way they use to like sort of like ignite different kinds of uh, of pick and roll sort of like movement pick and roll sets but it, it could also be like a little bit of like the hornets also run um something we've talked about on here before too called horns twist which would be like if lamello used the hayward screen he dribbled out a couple times to his left then williams would lift up and he would then use the williams screen coming back to to go to his right and that's like essentially what happens here i'm just not sure if that's like how they drew it up or if that's sort of like LaMelo freelancing and Williams just like reading the move. Either way, like it, it's good stuff from those guys. It's also like this is terrible defense from Miami. Like, and I mean, like Bam's not in the game. And like, so, you know, the Heat are obviously not the same like defensive force uh, with a, you know, replacement center on the court there. But like, you know, as you, as you said, Richie, Williams doesn't set even set a screen on Vincent, but Vincent like loses touch with LaMelo. Like he's not attached at all. Uh, Zeller's caught in no man's land and there's no weak side checkout from hero. And I know it it happens kind of quickly or whatever, but like this is Mark Williams slipping a screen and getting, there's just no con. (laughs) He's just right to the front of the rim. Like it just does not get any easier than that. It's that is truly, truly horrific uh, half-court pick-and-roll defense, and there's just Hero just standing there doing literally nothing. So nice. I think, again, the, the freelance likely from LaMelo here is nice. Williams reading that and getting to the front of the rim ASAP. Like, again, I, if you're looking for chemistry between those two guys, I think stuff like this is encouraging. But, like, uh, again, this is just pathetic pick and roll defense from my... You gotta, you've got you've got to do something to take away Williams on the roll. You've got to make LaMelo, like finishes on his own or try to like skip it to Rozier. I mean, that, that still would be right. a good possession for the Hornets, right? Like a, a kick out open catch and shoot three for Terry. Like that's, that's, that's a great possession for Charlotte, but uh, the best possession is this, <laughs> like, you know, uh, a lob, you know, totally uncontested, a roll and lob uh, for your, you know, seven foot one, uh, you know, jumping Jack center. I wonder how many dunks there were in this game by Mark Williams. It feels like there were a lot. It was a lot. Um, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of offensive rebounds and a lot of dunks in this game for him. All right, we'll get to the fourth clip here. And um, at this point, the Hornets are up 52-41 to 41 with a minute 30 left in the first half. Uh, this is one of my favorite clips from the bunch here, just because there's a lot to dissect. There's a lot of ways you can look at this. It starts with kind of like an angled ball screen around the slot area. And to be honest, like this is how I would defend this. Like Love jumps, tries to trap this screen, but Mark and Ball like perfectly time this. He slips into the space. And, you know, I I get why the Heat would do this because of Ball's range, right? He's a guy that can pull up distance. And you want to make sure that Mark Williams can make a play out of the short roll. Yes, you've got a four-on-three situation. Yes, the Hornets have an advantage here, but this isn't necessarily a wash slipping into space. So once when he gets the ball, I originally think, and I still think to this day, could he have hit JT Thor on this baseline cut? You know, that's something that Mark is going to have to work on, his short roll ability, his Mm -hmm. passing. Or, you know, in this situation, he just goes up with a little push shot. He misses it uh, pretty badly, but it (laughs) comes right to him and there's another dunk from Mark Williams so there's a lot to look at at this play you know the heat like I said I probably would have done the same thing that they did get the ball out of his hands make sure that Mark Williams can do something in this type of situation I do think that he can see over I believe that's Martin right there just make a path JT Thor but 
you know, I don't know if that's fully in his capabilities yet. We've seen a little bit of, of it here and there is short roll passing, but you know, a little hard, a little hard on the shot there, but gets the ball right back. And one of his seven offensive rebounds leads to a uh, put back dunk there. So, you know, love really stands, you know, no chance right here. Once the ball comes and it's just like power versus an older uh, aging veteran there. Yeah. I mean, look, respect to Kevin love, like, Hall of Fame player and one of the best rebounders of his generation, but like uh, Mark Williams, uh, like he destroyed him in this game on the glass. Like I, yes. I, Williams had, had seven offensive rebounds and a lot of them came uh, like with him just like a foot higher in the air than Kevin Love to get the shot. I agree with you on that first pass. Like Thor is such an interesting guy too. He loves these like quick baseline cuts, you know, like. It, and in part because it, it feels like he's still toggling between like, should I cut or should I should I be stationary in the corner and just like wait for the kick out? But it, since he's not like a, a knockdown shooter yet, that that like baseline, you know, weak side corner cut is sort of like one of the best things he's able to do. And he does a nice job like reading the I think it's a nice job for him to collapse in and cut um, that passes maybe there right on the initial touch from Mark Williams. But as you'll see, Jimmy Butler is, you know, in predator in predator mode, like looking to take <laughs> that pass away, too. So it's like I, if he puts that on a bounce, I think Jimmy's going to intercept it or at least deflect it. And even if it's not on a bounce, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy's able to recover. But like maybe initially the other thought would be like if Thor sticks in the corner for a catch and shoot three, then like he's there for the kick out. We've talked, you know, I think since summer league last year, Richie, about Williams on the short roll because mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. something he just did not do at Duke. He didn't have to do it very often, very, very little. And I thought for the most part on these little like put, he didn't take a ton of them, but on these little like push shots in like the the middle of the lane, I thought he showed like some nice touch, not on this one, but there there was a game against Denver. He did not there was one against Denver. He did where he sort of like did like a little spinning hook on the short roll. There were just times he showed a little bit. He showed some touch, which was nice. And he's not a terrible free throw shooter either. So I, I think there's something to be said for him having, you know, him having some touch. And I, there was sometimes there was also another game this year where he he was he ran the short roll. PJ Washington was in the dunker spot, and Williams was able to throw. I think it was one of the Dallas games um, when the Hornets just like ended their season in late March, but he just like was able to see over the top of the help. Like a smaller mm-hmm. person came up to help and Williams was able to see over the top and, and dump it down to, to PJ for a layup. That's the other thing. One of the things that pops for me on this play is just how like with Kevin Love playing that aggressive pick and roll coverage and, and you know, coming out to, to show on LaMelo there. Miami, this is one, this is a small lineup in general, but look how small they are on the backside. Like once Williams catches that, like, it's you've got you've got Hero and Martin as like the Martin. two low guys with Jimmy trying to track back. So it's like you know six three six you know it's it's six three six 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 seven you know and Mark Williams is he's seven foot one. So all of a sudden they become very small, and so it's no surprise for Williams to try to just go over the top, get it up on the rim, and then go get his own miss. Um, it's just a weird way. It like it's an indirect way, I guess, for Charlotte to get it to the front of the rim, but inevitably they pretty quickly get the ball to the front of the rim here. Um, so again, it's just highlighted by Williams, I think showing some nice patience, leaning into his size and doing so against a team that doesn't have very good size on the court. And especially with their tallest guy, clearly the, the biggest guy in the court for Miami, him being caught out 25 feet away from the rim. Again, Williams can just play bully ball, get it up on the glass here. You almost wonder too. I don't. I don't know if this was going through his mind, but because Kevin Love was the big in this situation and he was behind him, maybe he was a little bit more aggressive and yeah. trying to get the basket, and he didn't necessarily care to look for Thor yeah. here. So maybe he, he kind of knew that. Um, but yes, there it is, another putback dunk, and we'll get ahead and go with clip number five here. This is midway through the third quarter. Brian, would you classify this as pistol or? do you consider pistol more of like a three man game? Because when I first saw this, like it's like a little step up screen by Hayward, which you would normally see in pistol. But I think Thor is the other uh, guy that's involved here, but he's not really involved. He's on the opposite side. So this is this pistol to you or yeah, no? I would refer to this as, as pistol. I mean, pistol okay. takes a lot of different ways, but it, it can look a lot of, it, 
there's countless little like variations and tweaks out of it. Um, I think often when the, the Hornets get like a third guy in the action, after that step up screen, you'll often see often after that like guard guard or guard wing step up screen, you'll often see the five, which in this case would have been Mark Williams come over and set like an empty side ball screen, right? For for Lamelo, like that's something you see them do a lot. Okay. Richards does that a lot. Williams does that a lot. Or they'll they will also they will they will do this with Hayward as well, where it's just like if he comes up, he sets the screen for Lamelo, he gets the switch then Hayward will go into the post or PJ Washington will go into the post or Miles Bridges will go into the post. And then whomever the trailer is, they can also look to play high low from out of that. Right. Cause if the, if the person guarding LaMelo is a one, I mean, in this case it's Jimmy Butler. So that's not right. like a, <laughs> you get that switch. You're not trying to post that one up, but if Gabe Vincent was guarding him and Gordon Hayward gets Gabe Vincent to switch onto him. Well, maybe that's something you do try to take that. You try to take that, or you get Hero to switch onto him, whatever. Like maybe you'll look to take that matchup into the post and you can play high low out of that. Um, I mean, the Hornets could also like have had, you know, LaMelo throw the ball ahead to Gordon Hayward and have Hayward pitch it back to him as LaMelo's. Back, yeah. You know, that's like, that's like, to me, that is like, like classic vintage sort of like pistol 21 action. But, these like step up ball screens, I, I consider that as well. And they do get the switch, but this is one of my favorite parts about this play is like this should not be like no side of the switch should be good news for Charlotte. <laughs> like, yes, I this mean, is a bam. bam switch. That's yeah. terrifying. So like I, I give a lot of credit here. Like, I mean, just an awesome play by LaMelo. I mean, he's so I mean, he's sick, obviously. Like he's an incredibly talented player, but like size up, bam little offbeat move, turn the corner, collapse the paint, draw help, and then a really, really nice pass in traffic, clean pass, and Williams just an excellent, this nice job sort of like clearing from the dunker spot, gets to the front of the rim. And then I just think the catch from Williams here is really nice. Like, so again, most credit here to LaMelo uh, busting up a, a switch against Bam, which like, I mean... The, the Heat are an incredible defensive team. They have been for years. And like a big part of that is like Bam's ability to switch and be a nightmare. He's ruined a lot of Hornets games the last couple of years with his ability to switch. And for LaMelo to just cook that, get it into the paint, collapse it and hit, you know, hit Williams for a dunk is, I mean, it's classic, you know, star guard and, you know, power big guy basketball. But I think for the first two years of LaMelo's career, when we talked about wanting him to have a hammer like this, wanting him to have like a vertical spacer, a guy he could throw the ball to on drives. Like, I mean, this isn't like a lob obviously, but like, this is what right. we're talking about, right. Or what everyone, not just on this pod, but anyone that was following or covering the team, like this is what everyone wanted was for them to have just a guy he could hit here, right here. And let that guy just like finish off plays and as as much as we respect Cody Zeller and you know Mason Plumley certainly like got plenty of these like spoon fed looks too like Williams is just like athletically and size wise a, a different beast than those guys. Yeah, it's, the funny thing is the first thing I put in my notes here like this is probably more of a, a Lamelo clip than it is a Mark Williams clip. But to your point, I will say that I like how Mark Williams moves a little bit more centrally here to help this pass window out. And to be honest, like, I don't even know if like Kevin Love needs to help out in this situation. No, you know, it's, <laughs> it's easy to say that now and look at his reaction afterwards as if like, Hey, what, who's helping me? Cause I just helped off of, uh, yeah. Mark Williams it, here. It should be noted. This was pretty early. I want to say in Love's tenure with Miami. Like, I think he had probably like, this is late February. He probably been bought out, like not, by Cleveland and, and ended up in Miami not long before this. Um, it's also worth noting too, this, 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 this game comes like two weeks after they traded Plumley, you know, which was also right around the all-star break. So like, this is just very early in Williams tenure, getting to be like the starter for the Hornets basically at the five. Yeah. But so, yeah, I, I think, like I said, this is probably more of a LaMelo clip and he knows what he has to do in this situation. Uh, Bam obviously is a great switch defender and he forces him baseline and doesn't give him much of a room to shoot the ball. But because love comes over and helps, uh, Mark Williams is able to create a little bit of space here centrally. And LaMelo just finds the space like always mm -hmm. and yep, goes up for the dunk. 
And yeah, the reason well, I didn't know if it was pistol. Go ahead. You're just going to say once again, like Tyler Hero, just doing nothing as a help defender on this play too. <laughs> like just, I mean, like just nowhere to be found. Um, I mean, he's obviously like a very talented offensive player. Um, and I think like most of his like defensive frustrations come when he has to like guard, you know, sort of like power wings in the playoffs or whatever. But like a couple of these clips we've shown, um, he's just been like missing in action in terms of help defense. Cause like even JT Thor cuts, cuts right to the front of the ring. Like, I mean, hero does nothing to help I- anywhere on this possession. So um, not that I would necessarily blame him for this one, but it's not like he's, uh, <laughs> it's not like he's making plays outside of his responsibilities either as a defender. Right. Yeah. We definitely see some trends as we, yeah. as we go through these. All right. Next clip here. Clip number six. Uh, third quarter, midway through, 71-62. Let it play out one time through. All right, so Charlotte is uh, moving the ball here in semi-transition. Uh, let me pull that clip back up. And it's funny, I, I feel like Mark Williams subtly kind of signals LaMelo to go left, and I think that's probably where they're setting it up anyway, but he kind of has like this little hand motion to mm-hmm. hey, come this way. Because it looks, it could be a flat ball screen, but then he turns his hips to make Lamelo come left. He catches the ball off this pass from Lamelo, and he actually does a good job of gathering it low here to make sure that Tyler Hero, you know, doesn't necessarily swipe the ball away from him. And this isn't the most fluid, I wouldn't say, like clip from Mark. Like I, I'm not sure that he does travel, but <laughs> the way that he kind of chops his feet, I think maybe one could argue, like, okay, this looks a little bit wonky. He kind of keeps his pivot foot down, turns over his right shoulder, and hits that left hook shot. I'm not going to lie, Brian. When I saw this, I didn't think this was falling. Like, this just didn't look so fluid to me that I thought this was going to be a miss. You know, he kind of makes something out of nothing, even though that his feet are a little bit choppy in this situation. So there's nothing more to this clip that, you know, I I would want to point out. But just another way that he scores, because I think that we saw saw like a lot of dunks in these first five clips. So just having a left-hand hook shot is a little bit different here. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, again, it, people are saying it in the comments, but it, it is a patient shot by by Mark. Um, a nice touch on the little like, you know, spinning, you know, lefty kind of half hook or however you want to describe this. But this is good stuff from him, man. Miami puts two on the ball uh, with, with Jimmy in rear view pursuit. Bam's like, you know, kind of below, I mean, he's below the level of the screen, but he ends up sort of like popping out onto LaMelo and Mark's open in the, in the pocket, like right in the middle of the lane. And it's cool to see the trust with LaMelo to throw it to him. I mean, I think like this is the kind of stuff that this offensively that I was like most worried about Williams coming into his rookie season and sort of like wanting to see what it would look like. And again, didn't get a ton of opportunities, but I, I thought for the most part, he was like, he slightly outperformed my expectations for him when it, when it came to these types of things. Part of the reason I really like Jalen Duran um, in the 2022 draft was that like, I think Duran reeks of a guy that's going to be, can make plays in those pockets of space and be a connector, you know, whether it's a short roll floater or a runner or, He's going to catch it and, and then kick it out to Terry Rozier for a three. Like, I thought it's like Duran's a guy that like projects to be really, really good on those types of things. But overall, I thought Williams was a little bit better than I thought he was going to be. And I know, I think I've said this on every clip so far, but like, you can just <laughs> see like Miami, even with love and Bam on the floor at the same time, like, and, and obviously Bam is, you know, an incredible, incredible center and, and like, at, on some nights, he's the best defender in the world, possibly. But like Williams' size and reach, he can just play over the top of these guys. So he does a nice job, you know, taking care of the ball in space, spinning, and knowing that like no one's going to block that hook shot, right? Like he he can play over the top of this team. So good stuff on the short roll here by Mark Williams. But I do think he benefits some from just like. Um, yeah, like there's just not a lot of size and length. Like the back side of this play is like Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo, you know, like he's just got he doesn't have to worry about having a Jalen McDaniels type guy, you know, like with that kind of like length and reach on the back side, uh, you know, uh swiping at the ball or getting in passing lanes or whatever. But yeah, again, love this kind of stuff from Williams in, in LaMelo, especially. It's funny you mentioned Bam and, and Love. I would love to know 
like the matchup data, not that it's always accurate on NBA.com, like how he did when Love was his primary defender versus Bam as his primary <laughs> yeah, defender. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll let it play one more time through, and then we'll get to the final two clips of the game as it gets towards the end. Here's the little hook shot. All right, we're going to get into clip number seven here, and this is late in the game. And this one, like the previous one, it's uh, Mark hitting something other than a dunk, and you got LaMelo coming downhill, putting pressure on the defense, and Love, who is defending Mark Williams, helps off of Mark to cut off this drive. And this is another finish to me that looks a little bit awkward like the previous one, but finishes it with a little bit more control and fluidity than the previous clip, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And it looks as if Mark is trying to dunk it at first, like he almost (laughs) goes off two feet, uh, but then probably thinks better of it and turns it into a little scoop shot, adjust midair there for a little finger roll. Mm -hmm. And obviously Bam is in the restricted area here, but I do love the fact that like he realizes I can't just barrel through Bam. Like I've got to go more vertical than like, through him yeah so i don't think that it could have been called called a charge because of the fact that he was in the restricted area but regardless like just changing it midair having a little bit more control like you said on the previous clip using his length over bam to just kind of scoop it over him the one thing that i do wonder like what if i just feel like love i hate to keep banging on love (laughs) but i wonder if bam was in Love's shoes in this situation, would he do a better job of maybe taking away the pass that LaMelo had <laughs> yeah, here? Yeah, definitely. definitely. So that's, that's what I'm getting at in the previous yeah. comments I made. Like with, with Love guarding Mark Williams, it just felt like he feasted on Love. His power, his strength, like his tenacity, you just saw it. And obviously as like a switch defender or a defender out in space, Bam's got those angles covered yeah. a ton. It, it, this this by the way is like an interesting closing lineup like pj didn't play in this game right so you've got uh you know hayward as like the de facto four plus the three guards of Lamelo, dsj and uh terry rozier plus the rookie center like i'm guessing this lineup outside of this game probably didn't play all that much together <laughs> uh this season but you can see how it fits and you can also see like miami toggling the matchups a little bit where they're probably thinking by this point well, our help side coverage is regardless of like how we've been guarding screens, we've just been small on the backside, right? And that's something we've talked about on this, where it's been, you know, it's been Hero or or Martin or whomever. And then like Williams has either played over the top of those guys or he's just like rolled right to the front of the rim and had his way. And here you've got Bam on Hayward, right? Right. And you got Love as the screen defender. And so that allows the, I think the, th- the thought process for Miami here is like, oh, this allows Bam to roam and for him to be the helper. Now, all of a sudden, he gets to be the low man guy here. So we, we got two on the ball. So when they throw it back to Williams, well, he's gonna, he's, he needs to see more size. It's not going to be him playing over the top of Kevin Love because, again, as you just noted, you know he was feasting on that matchup. Um, Bam is awesome. And but what Bam does best as a defender is not like protect the rim, right? Like he's as as athletic and as cr- incredible as he is, and he can be like an intimidating backline presence. Like he's not like a monster shot blocker, you know. And he's he's also probably on the smaller end for a starting center in the NBA. And so you can just see Williams able to take his time and go over the just go right over the top, you know, and uh, and finish without having to worry about this shot being you know, sent back at him. So impressive stuff uh, from uh, from Williams here. Nice touch, too, again. Yes. And uh, obviously, this is a, a clutch butt basket here by Mark Williams. And we'll get to another bucket that was very instrumental in the way that this game played out. This is the final clip that we're going to get in here. Uh, Charlotte is up three points. We've got just under a minute to go on the clock. We've got Rozier trying to hit a dagger corner three. He gets a good look, like he's he's fairly open. Uh, but Mark gets the offensive rebound. I think I mentioned this before, but they had seven offensive re- or he had seven offensive rebounds, which was a season high. 
20 rebounds was a season high as well. No, no, no surprise there. But again, we see who he is uh, matched up against. A little bit of flair, a little bit of emotion. I think mm-hmm. uh, there's some screenshots out there, some photographs of him, you know, getting this excited after this dunk. Uh, and that's that's the one that we have as our promo picture as well. But just <laughs> the fact that he, you know, gets this dunk this late in the game and just has that want to, that effort trying to get to the ball. He locates the ball off the miss. And like I mentioned, just too much for love in this game. And this yeah. is a perfect way to kind of to end this series here on clip number eight. Just it exemplifies the, the whole game for him. Yeah, power. Just again, he was he's, he was an excellent offensive rebounder this season. He was at, at Duke. And just going back and not just this game alone, I, I've recently rewatched a couple other Hornets games from mid to late in the season. I recently watched one of the uh, Chicago games and I watched the the Houston game, uh, one of the Rockets games, and like he just gets a lot of putback buckets too. Like it, having this guy obviously as like a screen and dive guy is huge, but um, he's going to create these. Like I mean, Nick Richards does this too with the second unit, um, but the Hornets really do have two tough offensive rebounders in their center rotation, and uh, maybe three depending on uh, you know what happens with James Naji. So, but but anyways, like you love this stuff from Williams. It's just like classic center stuff, you know. Beat your guy, get to the rim, create a second chance opportunity, and like finish with authority. Like I think one of the things that he struggled with occasionally at Duke was like power finishes without with like with without needing to like put the ball down to go back up. And so I think one of the things that is pretty encouraging about this play is he's able to catch it. Um, and just like pop straight back up, right? He doesn't have to put the ball back down and give Hero a chance to maybe swipe at it or maybe give Bam an, an, like a half a tick to come back in and like block this from behind, like boom, straight up. Like he's a great second jump athlete, even more than that, like the lower body strength, which is something that like he's going to get better at. Like he needs to get, like he needs to become stronger, the lower body that will really help him out. Um, in terms of like post defense, which I think he was pretty good with this season, but uh, that'll help him out even further. But just like that's just really good, like vintage center uh, or like vintage, like in like the modern center kind of look, you know what I mean? But love that from Williams. He was awesome in this game. And like this was the best game of his rookie year, most likely, but he didn't have too many bad games either. Like he he was he had a really nice rookie season, man. He really did. Like the 2022 draft, as much as that night was um confusing, odd, odd yeah, frustrating, um, seemingly like just not a great use of having two top 15 picks. I guess one of those picks, have, you know, eventually turned into Nick Smith a year later. But um, which we and we like, you know, we 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 like Nick Smith as a as a prospect. But the disappointments or the frustrations or the confusions that night didn't come from the selection of Williams. Like you knew the Hornets got a good player with the fifteenth pick with Mark Williams, and it took. It felt like this season it was like agonizing to like have to like sit through like Mason Plumley like high post sets. Just to be like, God, please, can I see Mark Williams play? And part of it was like Richards played just so well. Like Richards was like one of their best players before he got hurt. Um, and there was just no, there was no like gimme time for Williams until they moved Plumley out. But I think one of the things that was awesome about Williams is that like once he got into the rotation, he clearly earned it, and there was not going to be anything you could do to knock him out. Because if I re- if I remember correctly, the timing of all of this, like Richards got hurt, Plum- Plumley was still in town. He had not yet been traded to the Clippers at the deadline, and so Plumley was still the starter. And Williams was playing, you know, like 18, 20 minutes a game as like a backup for him. And even when Richards came back, Richards was just out of the rotation once he was like back and cleared to play because Williams was just playing too well. You couldn't bump him from the from the rotation, so. Um, Charlotte got a really good young center with him. And if you don't mind, would you, could I real quickly just read off like a couple of stats w- for Williams here real quickly? Yeah, these, are, these are from, um, a site that I, I know you're, you're a fan of too, Richie, uh, uh the, the B-ball index. Oh, yeah. who do a really nice job, a bunch of different, like, uh, advanced metrics covering 
the NBA. Um, but here's some stats for Williams as it, it's like interior defense. Again, this is according to the B-Ball Index. Um, in terms of rim deterrence, and, I, and I'm not sure what exactly they're using to measure that, but he was in the 70th percentile. Uh, percent of rim shots uh, contested, 95th percentile in the league. Rim contests per 75 possessions, 10.33. That was in the 98th percentile in the NBA. Blocks per 75 possessions, 2.0. 92nd percentile in the NBA. Block rate on contests, 18.9%. 73rd percentile in the NBA. Rim defended field goal percentage versus expected, 77th percentile in the NBA. Rim points saved per 75 possessions, 94th percentile. Rim protection, 84th percentile. Post defense, 87th percentile. And screen screener rim defense, 97th percentile with an A-plus grade. So again, that's just um, one service that's doing a nice job covering the NBA. But in terms of their advanced defensive interior metrics, Williams did a nice job both protecting the rim, guarding screens, and guarding the post. Well, we appreciate everyone joining us live here on YouTube, or if you're listening to this on the audio version as well, uh, Regulator in the comments says, Rain, coffee, and buzz beat. What more can you ask for? Uh, we agree. Brian, it was good to see you. We always love doing these things. I'm, I'm sure this is the last version of the film Rewind, but we might incorporate this throughout the season, but just kind of in a different format. So we will talk to you guys later. Have a good one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.